When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a bonus Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, talking hoops. We haven't talked about basketball stuff for a while. The season is underway. We wanted to do this without taking away from the football pods here in this stretch run. So normally don't have a Tuesday podcast. This is a special one for all you hoop heads out there. The Buckeyes 2-0 as we record this, Stephen. Um we have some good questions from the texters that'll kind of lead us through this a little bit. Ohio state. There's a game this Monday night against as we're recording this Monday afternoon, it's going up Tuesday, six 30 versus Bowling green Monday night, then at Xavier on Thursday. So they're going to beat Bowling green, right? They're not going to like lose to Bowling green and blow up this podcast. Yes. <laughs> he says, knowing, he says knowing that they just beat Akron by a buzzer beater a week ago. Yeah, so 67-66 over Akron, 84-74 over Niagara. We're going to get to EJ Liddell. I want to start big picture, though, first. Um, In the preseason Big Ten basketball poll, Ohio State Big Ten beat writers was fourth in that. I was just looking at CBS Sports. They had Ohio State third. Steven, is this a team that at least – I'm going to give you like a chance to answer some of every question almost two different ways, because this is sort of like our season preview, but the season started. So we have a little bit of info. Was this a team going into the season that people thought could win the big 10, not pick to win the big 10, but if you're picked in the top four, I don't know, could, did they have a legitimate chance to win this thing? And has anything that has happened in the first two games changed what you think the preseason perception was of this team? So yes to the first one, no to the second one, because the first one kind of explains why no to the second one. Obviously, Michigan, obviously, uh, Purdue, obviously, you know, Michigan State, you know, the, the typicals that you've come to know and love at the top of the Big Ten will probably be the favorites. But with Ohio State, it's the question of especially after Dwayne left. OK, what's this team outside of EJ Liddell? And it was, and I think even Holtman knew that they were going to have to spend these first couple of months figuring that out. I think you had an idea of some guys who could be the guys after that comma, but for at least the first couple of months here, it was just going to be the EJ Liddell show. And could he keep this team afloat long enough for guys like Malachi Branham and Michi Johnson and uh, uh, Zed Key to kind of come along and get used to being in these extended roles or just used to playing college basketball, especially when you're dealing with a situation where some of their more you know important rotation guys are either not healthy and so aren't playing at the level they should be playing at or just not playing at all. So 
And then the first three, two games have pretty much validated that. And I'm pretty sure speaking ahead a little bit, that Bowling Green game will do the same where it's okay. I see it. It's just not there yet. Okay. So Kyle Young didn't play the first game, right? Correct. Played 23 minutes in the second game. I'm going to read you the minutes of the guys so far this year. Uh, Justin Arns, Jamari Wheeler, both over 30 minutes per game. EJ Liddell, 29. Zed Key, 26. Kyle Young, 23. Malachi Bradham and Michi Johnson Jr., 21 each. And then Justin Suing, 15 and a half. That is one, two, three, four, five. That's eight guys. Is that their eight-man rotation for the, no. the bulk of the year? Or what, what's going to change about the rotation? I don't think Justin Hart is going to be playing that much, honestly. Once you get Justin Suing is playing 15 minutes a game because he's got a groin injury and he's kind of on a minutes restriction a little bit. So that's why his minutes are so low. That'll continue to rise up and be more 25, 30 range. Uh, I think Michi and Malachi's minutes will continue to be a roller coaster all season. But by the time you get to February, March, they'll be playing 20 plus minutes a night each. Um, somebody's going to sit because Seth Towns is going to play. I don't know who yet, but somebody he's going to be in that rotation at some point. Maybe it's, it's, it's you get to a point where Justin Orange goes from maybe he's the basketball version of Taraja Mitchell where he starts the season off playing a whole bunch, but as guys gain, you know, experience, but then also you get your entire team back. You see his minutes go from 30 a game to all of a sudden he's playing five minutes. Okay. But why, why are we sure? I guess Seth Towns was playing minutes down the stretch last year, big 10 tournament, 21 versus Purdue, 21 versus Michigan, 28 versus Illinois played 12 in the NCAA loss to oral Roberts. We're sure Seth Towns is a major rotation piece when he's, and he's, what's he, he's, he's hurt right now. Yeah. Yeah. He had back surgery in the summer. Um, nothing. He didn't re-injure anything. He was just going in there to clean up some stuff. Um, he should be back mid-December, you know, early January, sometime in that range. But yeah, he'll be because he's a scoring threat for you. He helps you. He's another big that, you know, could take some of the pressure off of EJ Liddell every single night. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident he'll be in the rotation. Cedric Russell, Joey Brunk, Jimmy Sotos. Barely playing so far. They're all transfers. Are they just not going to be are they going to be non-factors mostly? Joey Brunk gets you through the Big Ten. He's the answer to the Hunter Dickerson problem and the Kofi Coburn problem. That's where I think his minutes will come in in those games so that EJ doesn't have to guard those guys at all. But then also you're not sure if Kyle Young's going to make it through the whole season. So you've got an insurance policy. Jimmy, I just don't see Jimmy Soto's being a factor. And Cedric Russell is kind of the same thing where, yes, he averaged 18 points a game at Louisiana, but he's jumping up a level here. And from what I've heard and what I've seen the first few games here, his adjustment hasn't gone as smoothly as maybe they hoped yet. Okay, Joey Brunk, who played one minute against Niagara, is going to guard every good big in the Big Ten. That's their answer. He's here for fouls. I didn't say he was going to do what. Yeah, he's here for he's six he's fouls a night, man. For fouls, he's. You want him getting the fouls, or you want EJ getting the fouls? Okay, that I'll buy. That I'll buy. Yeah. Okay, so let's go big, 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 big picture and start with a guy who's not here, who you kind of have mentioned so far. From the 814, if Dwayne Washington was still on this team, would be would we be a contender? So Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell both put their names in the mix after last season. And it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, the guys do this now. Is it correct to assume everybody really thought for sure EJ would be back? And you thought 
Dwayne could be back. And then it turns out Dwayne is not back. Dwayne Washington is with the Indiana Pacers. Is that correct? Yes. He's on that roster. Yep. What, how much of a blow was that to this team's chances to lose the guy who was clearly their number two offensive weapon a year ago? Not that it was a shock maybe, but it wasn't a sure thing that they were going to lose him. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I, obviously. Yeah. I, I guess I would have said 70% he's gone. 30% he's back. Um, just because with this situation, I don't know how much his draft stock is going to change in a year. I, I don't know if it, they'd be a contender. It kind of depends on what you think of Michi. If you think Michi is going to continue to get better and get better, and then he could just fill that Dwayne role, or Malachi can just fill that role as a secondary scorer by the time games get important, then I think they're fine. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Dwayne helps you. I think where he helps you is just right now, while, while those guys don't know what they're doing. And knowing that EJ doesn't have to go out there and get pretty much 30 points every single night for you to barely win a basketball game. He helps you more now than maybe he would have in February if you feel confident that two, those two young guys specifically are going to progress and develop the way that we think they are. Dwayne Washington has played in two of the Pacers 14 games and has scored five points so far this year. I do think that's a really good point that he actually may have been something of a roadblock for the offensive development of these young guys. And I think we saw, I mean, we, Dwayne Washington like shot him out of games at times last year, he mm-hmm. carried him at times and he shot him out of games at times. But I think if Dwayne Washington is your second best offensive player, there's a ceiling to you and why ram your head into that ceiling again. And I don't know how he would have reacted to being the third or fourth offensive option by February. Yeah. So maybe it's better in some ways that he's gone and it's going to lead to some clunkiness now as these young guys develop because somebody has to score beyond EJ Liddell. And so far that is not happening from the five, one, two can Malachi Branham, the true freshman, highly ranked dude. Can he become the second scorer that is needed? A second scorer is needed. Is he the leading contender to be that Steven? Yes, I think he is. He's, Travion Henderson of the basketball team. I'm going to, I'm going to use a lot of football references to do this because I know that the people like football over basketball here, they're easing it. You, we saw it with Travion. You gave him three touches the first game, and then you gave him like seven the next game, and then all of a sudden you got to the Tulsa game, and it's like, oh, we're here. Give Travion Henderson the ball. He's your guy for the next three years here. That's where Malachi is. It's basketball, so it's not going to be three games here, but it's going to be this slow, I'm going to give you a little bit more every single game, give you a little bit more every single game. And by the time we get to February, yeah, I'm pretty com- that kid's going to be pretty good here. It's telling that that Akron game, even if it was closer than it should have been, EJ falls out, and the guy that they give the ball to is Malachi Brendan. Now, the decision he made with it is impressive. Yes, you made the right decision by getting Zed Key the ball there, but the fact that they put the ball in the hand in his hands is pretty telling of what Holtman thinks it thinks of Malachi and where he should be by the time we get to February. But yes, he'll be their second best player. I would just like to make a note about even if you think it was closer than it should have been, they won by a point on a basket with 0.3 seconds left. So yes, it was closer than it should have been. Akron's not even the team that's picked to win the Mac. So yeah, that was not great. Malachi Branham, three for nine for seven points against Akron, three for six for seven points against Niagara, played 24 minutes in the opener, 18 minutes against Niagara. I think, what do you think, February Branham looks like like if 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 EJ Liddell scoring about 20 to 22 
when this offense is actually functioning as it should, that he's not trying, does have to score 30 every night. What do you think Liddell's points per game should be in a fully functioning offense? And then if Branham's a second score, where is that? Is it like 23 for Liddell and 13 for Branham or more from Branham? What do you think? I would say anywhere from 20 to 24 for EJ. And then I'd say 12 to 15 for Malachi because he's an elite scorer. He just needs to figure out what he's doing out there. Okay. Okay. Shooter, driver, mid range. Where's it? Where is point? He's he's made he's two for two on his three point shot so far this yeah. year. Where's points going to come from? Uh, mid range, but they're going to have they're going to look real different. I don't think you're if you go watch his highlight film, none of that really matters. He kind of had an NBA game in high school where it's a lot of, you know, I'm po- I'm a wing who's posting up a lot, you know, getting a lot of mid range touches kind of operating in that area there he's not posting up in the big 10. So he's going to, it's, it's more just learning how to play with his fate while facing the basket and stuff like that. But a lot of mid range shots, some catch and shoot opportunities, and then kind of a little bit, he's a three level scorer. So kind of a little bit of everything. It's just the way he goes about it. Isn't going to be, give me the ball in the mid post and let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. So I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of upside there and he's flashed some of it already. Nobody's expecting this guy to come out and score 15 a night in his first two games. So I do Malachi Branham is a guy you can hang your hat on. I think for this team, when you're looking for things to get excited about, take a quick break. We'll be back with more basketball Buckeyes next on Buckeye talk. Doug Maurice back with basketball beat writer, Stephen means this is that super busy time of the year for Steven, where he's doing football and he's doing recruiting and he's doing basketball. And that's why he gets paid double time this time of the year double his salary every day as i understand is that correct steven um i don't know who told you that information but i'd like to talk to them and get that in writing because well, um I, when i it. when i was doing stuff by myself and i was doing basketball and football at the same time i got double pay all the time so i no, i'm just kidding <laughs> storm in the office doug got double yeah. pay no it's just one of those things it's like uh good luck covering three things yeah. at once uh take time off in may yep. so good luck getting time off in may so i'm gonna go to the super 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 big picture now and honestly like i understand this question because i don't think ohio state should have only beaten akron by one in its opener and listen dartmouth beat georgetown i don't know people are people are losing wacky games i get it from the 614. Are we going to be bad? Like, is that is that on the table? And let's address it this way. What would it look like if they're bad? And by bad, let's say, like, miss the tournament, mid-pack of the Big Ten. You know, they wind up 17 and 14 in the regular season and miss the tournament. Like, is that – to what percent chance is that on the table – and what would it look like if this does turn out to be not a great year? I'd say 20, just because I think it's very easy, no matter, no matter the sport, to say they'll young, they're young and they'll develop and they'll get better and just kind of you know assume that until it doesn't happen and then you're panicking. And so to the point of what happened, what does it look like? It looks like this is still happening four months from now 
That means Michi didn't get better. We were wrong about Malachi. Uh, Zed Key doesn't turn into the big man they need him to be. No, Kyle Young relapses for whatever reason. No, nobody gets better. And so that's what it looks. That's what it would look like. I'd leave 20 percent for that because you have to. You can't just always assume just because young you're young and you're talented, you're going to get better. and It's going to click when you need it to click. OK, that makes sense. Um, who let, let, let's go with the guy that I think probably is, is a key part of some of this discussion from the 770. What's your read on the justice suing injury? And do you, do you expect him to play a second fiddle role on the team when healthy? Or did you see enough from Malachi Branham and Zed key to think that they'll be the second option moving forward. And then the second part of that is from the five, one, three, it seems like the forwards and centers are going to be good this year. Are the guards going to be a problem or do they just need time to get better? Let's stay on the forwards right now. Justin suing Malachi Zed key EJ, right? Some of the front court stuff, Joey Brunk's fouls. <laughs> what do you think of this front court? And where, where do you envision Justice Suing getting to when he's all the way back from this groin injury? I like the depth and the idea of let's just get this group through this regular season when we know you have a lot of guys who are routinely not healthy. That's what I like about it. I, obviously the top end options there are EJ justice and, and Kyle and Zed, but like Kyle's going to miss practices a lot. He's probably going to miss more games in this. Like I just said, Seth Towns is not playing right now. So I like that they have enough pieces to where you don't have to kill Kyle in yep. January so that it come. I understand it was a concussion and that's a freak injury and stuff. But the point of the matter is you're not killing your best center in, in January. And then by February and March, when you need him, he's gassed out. So that's what I like about the depth there. I think justice suing can be some, ver I think he can kind of mirror what he was last year where it's okay. What do we need tonight? Cause that's what I'm doing. Do we need me to rebound? Then. Okay. I'll, cool. I'll do that. Do you need me to score tonight? Okay. I'll do that. Do I need to be the playmaker? Okay, cool. I'll do that tonight. He can just kind of be the Jack of all trades, um, um, Swiss Army knife, which is what he was last year, and he could be that this year, which makes him the third option when it comes to scoring, which is fine as long as Malachi turns into what we think he's going to turn into. The problem is right now he's none of that because he's dealing with a groin injury where I can't tell, and I don't know if this is a harsh thing to say about a kid, I can't tell how hurt he is versus what his pain tolerance level is. You know, so I don't want to say he's not hurt at all because he's clearly dealing with something, but everybody's pain tolerance level is different. So if it, if it could be a, a, a minor injury, but if he feel like it's, it's limiting him from doing what he wants to do out there on the court, then that's what it is. That's that's he coach Holtman's got to deal with that. But if it's if it's literally just like, hey, dude, you're healthy and you need to get out of your own head. That's kind of on the kid to deal with that on his own. Right. So that's it's hard right now to tell because he didn't play well against Akron. But he didn't play well because of his groin. He didn't play well because he was making bad decisions out there, which is why he played a little bit better uh, when they played Niagara because he was just making better decisions. So it's hard to get a read on him right now. That's fair. It, it is nice. I, I forgot to say, Kyle, but it's like if you end up with like five front court options and you can move some stuff around or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, that that five, six guys that you can put on the court in different combinations, that does feel like something you can feel good about the depth there. And then one of the guys, I mean, EJ's a standout dude. So it's not only depth, right? That you have some EJ's 
an all big 10 level player. And then you have some guys in different roles that can do some things. I do think the front court is pretty interesting, which sort of leads us to the second part of that question. Um, are the guards going to be a problem or do they just need time to get better? I, I want to bring up something. I just, I double checked this. It is still kind of interesting to me that in an ideal world, this is year three of DJ cart, right? That yeah. we're nowhere close to that. He played his freshman year at Ohio State. He transferred to Marquette last year at Marquette, started 24, 27 games, played 31 minutes a game, 13 points, four assists. For Ohio State as a freshman, it was 10 points, three assists. And he went pro, didn't get drafted, signed with the Charlotte Hornets, got waived, and he's playing in the, the G League with the Greensboro Swarm. So that is the path that DJ Carton chose to take. And on some level, Stephen, I still think that hole is not completely filled. And they got Jamari Wheeler as a transfer from Penn State to try to do that. Michi showed up last year, a year early to try to help do that. But like in the perfect world, right? It's sort of like DJ's in year three of running everything here after he kind of got to learn from CJ Walker for a couple of years. Now he's running it. Michi would be getting here this year, kind of learning from DJ and all that got completely thrown out of whack. And I understand why they're off track with that. And I understand that you can't snap your fingers and get a five-star point guard to fill in, but are they a little short in the backcourt still as a result? Are they okay? No, they're short because (laughs) you're starting from square one again with your DJ Carton. You know, it's with DJ was a freshman He'd have those moments that make you go, ooh, that kid's pretty good. But then he'd also have some moments like, oh, yeah, he's 18. Yeah, that's he's going to have to calm down. That's where Michi is again, where because he's not he's not the same level of athlete that DJ is. But somehow he's still able to have some of the same explosiveness. Um, Garrett Wilson is where Garrett's like six one, but he plays like he's six three. Michi's kind of like that. And so he'll hop in the lane. Jump up, jump up and down, uh, throw a pass behind his back, back outside to the top of the key, and then somebody hit a three. But then he'll jump up the next time, and it'll be intercepted by somebody, and it's a turnover. He'll you know, dribble into the lane in the four people and somehow find a way to get a layup off, and then another time he's getting the shot blocked. That's just – we're back at square one with that type of player where you have to deal with some of that. Um, I'm confident, Holtman's pretty confident that that will get better, so I'll leave room for that. My worry is more with Jamari Wheeler being another version of CJ Walker, who's just a better perimeter defender because he's not aggressive and you can't be a non-factor if you're going to have the ball in your hands this much. And it was good to see him get some shots up against Niagara, but I got I, I he's got to shoot the ball and he's got to be looking for a shot out there. It's one thing. It's fine to initiate the offense and all that. But right now they're dealing in a world where EJ has got to score 25 plus. So somebody else has got to get shots up and be a threat out there. And right now he's not that but that's what he's been his whole career. He's being himself, yeah. right? I mean, at Penn State, his four years at Penn State, he averaged, this was his number of shots per game, 2.3, 3.4, 3.1, 3.1, 3.1, and 5.9. So, you know, that's not much. He averaged two points, 3.6, 3.8, 6.8 last year at Penn State. He's averaging three shots a game and 5.5 points for Ohio State in two games. Mm-hmm. This is what he is. Like, unless you thought Jamari Wheeler was going to come here and score double digits, he's never done it in his whole life at a worse program. 
there was opportunities to score more at Penn State. He's not blocked by NBA guys at Penn State. So they brought him here, and he is who he is. And what he is is a defensive guard who doesn't score on a team that right now needs scores. So, yeah. I, like, there's not going to be some kind of magic transformation, right? I mean, that's this isn't on Jamari Wheeler. If anybody, if Chris Holtman thought this was going to be any different, that's on Chris Holtman. He's Jabari Wheeler is a, an established college basketball player who scores five points a game. Yeah, it's just it's very much highlighted right now because of what what's missing. Maybe and I'm complaining about it right now, and then maybe in January we'll get to a spot where it doesn't matter because once again Malachi and Michi are the answers. But right now, it's like. Every little thing that maybe isn't a problem is a problem until somebody other than EJ shows us they can score. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about EJ um, soon. I, I do want to run through kind of one more thing that's based off this Cedric Russell question from a texter from the 419. Is Cedric Russell ever going to contribute? He looked like a high school defender and, and lost offensively in some of the early games. Um, the transfer portal for this Ohio State basketball team. We understand that this is the world. I get it. So let's double check. E.J. Liddell recruit, Zed Key recruit, Malachi Brandon recruit, Justin Orange recruit, Justin Suing transfer from what? Cal? Cal. Good transfer. Yeah. Good transfer. Jamari Wheeler transfer from Penn State. Okay transfer? Puzzle piece transfer. Puzzle piece transfer. That's good. Michi recruit, Kyle Young recruit. And then uh, Eugene Brown is another recruit who hasn't really done anything. And then Joey Brunk. Jimmy Sotos and Cedric Russell. Again, I, I get, I get it. When you get a transfer, you make a big graphic. And I'm not saying that the basketball team should be like, Oh, we got a transfer, but he's never going to play. You don't say that in the announcement. I get it, but they got a bunch of transfers who are never going to play. And so, you know, I hope everybody was realistic about this. Jimmy Sotos, Cedric Russell and Joey Brunk is like, it's not how you build a good big 10 teams. I get it. If you're desperate or whatever, Luther Muhammad left, some other guys left. Their equation, though, at the moment, they are losing more in the transfer portal than they're getting, right? Is that fair to say with losing DJ Carton, loser Luther Muhammad? I know people don't like it when I bring this up, but I don't think they're a plus. Seth Towns is a transfer, too, who hasn't played yet. But again, I, I mean, Seth Towns is not a program changer. I think they're a, are they not a minus in the, in the portal in the last couple of years? In totality? Yes, especially in the backcourt where Colt Holtman is supposed to be, you know, super. That's his position. He's a backcourt player. I, the problem is they keep getting guys who, like Jimmy Sotos wasn't a scorer at, at, at Bucknell. So, like, why are you thinking he's going to be able to do that here? He wasn't really an impact player at Bucknell. The Cedric Russell one is like a big swing. You're, it's kind of like when Seth Curry went from Liberty to Duke you're thinking, okay, maybe you got something here, except Cedric Russell isn't that big. He's he's listed at 6'3", 185 pounds, but like seeing him in person, he's more like six foot one, 160 pounds. So like physically, he doesn't look like he can hold up out there, which takes away from his game. And this idea that he was supposed to be new Dwayne, Dwayne's a bigger dude, but he looked like he could carry himself out there, even if he wasn't always making the smartest decisions. You take away the size the skill and just the overall talent ability, and you have the same decision-making, you get Cedric Russell, who might not be any have any impact for this team this year. Luther Muhammad and Alonzo Gaffney, two former Ohio State guys who left, both playing at Arizona State this year. Arizona State's one and one. 
They're both primary guys in the rotation. Muhammad's playing 30 minutes a game, scoring 10.5 points. Gaffney's playing 23 minutes a game, scoring 10.5 points. So you're a minus in the portal. And I don't, I feel like they should be a plus. I, I don't know. Like we can't, we can't talk about how the portal has changed and whatever. And Hey, you have to take this into account. You have to get used to it. Okay. We're used to it, but I think you should be a plus. And the fact that at the moment, you know, they have three roster spots on transfers who like, I don't know what they're going to do. Like I'd rather take a shot. I'd rather take a shot at some underrated three-star recruit that you're going to develop and try to turn into something that I don't know why, again, I guess if a guy leaves, you've got to fill, you've got to plug the hole, but I feel like there are, they are more in plug hole mode with transfers than they are. We're going to target guys that we know can help us and we want, and we understand that the transfer portal is just another level of recruiting now. And we're going to go recruit the best guys. I know they've tried to do that with some guys, but they haven't gotten them. And then they wind up with pluggers and it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a great way to build a roster to me. This is the one year where the plugger is fine because you're assuming Malachi and Michi is your real starting backcourt. So you'll live with it. You're you're, you got guys who are holdovers, but don't get in the way of those two who are the most important while you got depth. But most of the years, yeah, they, you, CJ Walker was a quality player here. I'm not going to take that away from him, yep. but I don't think he was the best option they could have gotten. I, I mean, he came from Florida state quality program, but I think you could have done better there. Luther Muhammad was a two-year starter here. How did you lose that? That's the, the like, those are where the problems come in is any other year you're getting the Jamari Wheeler, the CJ Walker of the world, and you're not getting enough justice suings who actually can come in here and be starters from day one and actually have an impact. Yeah. I don't love it. I don't love it. So let's let's take a last break. and We'll come back with two things that we want to talk about that are upsides for this team. One is their best player. One is the recruiting class that just signed. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, we'll save EJ Liddell for last. Steven, they just signed a five-man class. Lots of highly rated dudes. Where did that class rank? And when you're bringing in a five-man class like that, does it make this year a bit of a transition year? I don't know. That's that's a heavy load. We're talking about they have some guys who are filling gaps on this roster right now. EJ Liddell is a star, so you don't want to punt a last great year from him. But is sh- do you think they will be better next year and the year after than they are right now? Or is EJ so good and you're not exactly sure that you're going to have a guy as good as EJ in the next year or two? that old EJ and young Malachi, this is actually a go year. This is actually a peak year for them. Tell us a little bit about the class, where it ranked, who the guys are, and then how it fits into, fits into the bigger picture of what it says about this year. Yeah, seventh in the nation, which is the highest any Holtman class has ever finished since he's been here. Second in the Big Ten. It was 0.2 points behind Michigan, but Michigan's class – I mean, average star rating theirs was 97.28 in comparison to 94.25 for Ohio State. So obviously Michigan still wins with the quality of class there. But five guys, four of them were in the top 100. That's Bruce Thornton, the point guard, the number 41 player, number six point guard. Felix Okpora, number 50 player, the number 11 center. Roddy Gale Jr., number 63 player, the number six two guard. Bryce Sensabaugh. Number 100 player, number 27, small four. And then obviously the Ohio guys, Bowen Hardman, 
who was number 309 overall and number 49 shooting guard. He's basically the Justin Orange of the class. So, like, don't that's not that's a long term development there. The first four are guys that they're expecting to play next year ASAP. And I, I, I don't want to call this season a transition year. I think what they did as far as roster building allowed them to get a recruiting class like this because they sold those four guys on, hey, we have nine seniors, which means we've got rotational spots galore next season. Come take them. That's So that's all this, this roster. Did. It's not a transition year because – Malachi should be really good by the end of the year. And I don't know if EJ Liddell is going to come back next year and you can't waste that. This guy, I mean, he's clearly a big 10 player of the year candidate. I don't know if he's going to continue to do this and end up being a national player of the year candidate or not, but you can't waste that, that this is the best player Holtman's had here and you can't waste that. So it's not a transitional year. It's just a EJ keep being awesome. Malachi and Michi, please be what we think you are. And let's go try to see if we can win. But that is so. Yeah, it's not. It's not that you should win now, but it, it's just that with nine seniors, you are going to be a different team next year, and then yeah. next year might be what Malachi, Michi, and the new guys. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah. Okay. So so that's good, but but you also have a chance to win right now with what you have. I guess Zed will probably be back too. So like Malachi, would, Michi, Zed, and the new guys. I would assume. Bruce, Michi, Malachi, and Zed are starters for sure. And then either Bryson Zabah, um, Eugene Brown, uh, or Roddy Gale will be in the starting lineup. And then Felix is your second string center, who's like a really good shot blocker, but needs to put some weight on. That is pretty crazy to have that many seniors on a roster, though. Okay, so what so what is EJ? Um how dominant should he be? He he wasn't like the consensus preseason player of the year in the Big Ten, right? Because that was Coburn from Illinois. But EJ yeah. is what? One of the five best players in the league? Yeah, Pretty much him, no doubt about it. Uh, Purdue's guy, Michigan's Hunter Dickerson. Yeah, he was a first-team All-Big Ten preseason guy. Can he control a game against like a top-ten foe? Like, can can you can you – feed EJ Liddell in a sweet 16 game and yeah. have him go for 30 and have him carry you. Yeah. I think what we need to remember is, yeah, they got upset by Oral Roberts, but EJ had like 21, 15 and like five. And he was really awesome in that game. He just didn't make some key free throws down the stretch because he was tired and he was out of shape. And he admitted that um, we talked to him in the preseason. So if he's in better shape this year and he's doing – he's not about to shoot 56% all season. That's just not – that's an unrealistic expectation to have for a guy like that, the way he scores. And he might be around 35% from the three-point range. But I do think he is – if everybody comes along, he's capable of dragging this team to the Sweet 16, barring good matchups. Okay. What what is his has his game changed much? Like what is it just more the same from last year? Or no, what, what have you noticed in the first two games that's different? He's definitely a lot more of a wing player than he is than he was when he first got here. He was basically, if I'm not in the paint, I'm not scoring. 
when he first got here, which is because, I mean, in high school, he didn't have to leave the paint. He's just that much better than everybody else. He's, his favorite player is Paul Millsap, which is basically an undersized power forward who can do some small forward stuff. And that's what he is now. He is more of a three-level scorer. Yes, he still likes to get into the paint, but he, he's got a pull-up game. He can knock down catch-and-shoot threes. He can do some stuff off the dribble as well. He can, you know, coast to coast with it. He's a lot more of a complete scorer than he was even six months ago. And some of that is just development. Some of that's just being in better shape. Okay. But he is, you know, I'm just like perusing some super early mock drafts and that kind of thing. This is, this is not a guy who is really showing up in like, no, first, he first is round mock drafts. He's is he more the like Kata. Yeah. Prototypical. I'm awesome in college while it might take a little while for me to stick in the NBA, that type okay. of player. I mean, like the kind of player that Ohio State has one with. Yes. Yeah, bingo. Bingo. I mean, Jared Sellinger <laughs> I mean, like, was that like, <laughs> you know, I mean, Jared Sellinger was a first round pick. And if he had gone pro as a freshman, he would have been probably a top 10 or 12 pick. Yeah. Going in the 20s. But, you know, I mean, they've won a lot of games with David Lighty and John Diebler and William yep. Buford and Aaron Kraft and players like that, obviously different types of players in Ejilly Dell, who are like excellent, excellent, excellent Big Ten players who just never played a, a minute in the nba and so it's that's not really what it's about but he's a high level guy but at some point he can't do it all by himself and so far it's felt like he's trying to do it all by himself which is why they beat akron by a point and even the niagara game like but they won by 10 but it was a little close for a while wasn't it yeah yeah that that was a game yeah niagara is not good either okay okay so so we have a good feel for the talent coming in next year. We know that this is sort of an end of this group of players. Kyle Young's been here forever. You know, EJ Liddell has been a super important guy. Justin Arns, um, a, a lot of these guys who are going to be headed out of here after this year. Where's the program? Is it in good shape? Is it, Hey, they need to make sure, you know, they really should finish in the top four in the big 10 this year, really threaten to make the sweet 16 and then build up to something with this recruiting class. Like the best is ahead, but we've kind of said that a couple times. It feels like in the Chris Holtman era, where would you say the state of Ohio state basketball is right now? He's not on the hot seat. Not only even think he's a season away from being on the hot seat, but he's definitely in the, all right, what's going on over here? Stage of things because <clears throat> it's they got to get out the first weekend of the tournament, and I, 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 we've said that a lot over the last six months. But we're going to continue to say it. they need to get out of the first round of the tournament and provide a little bit of optimism here, so we can get back to saying the best is still ahead here because everybody on this roster at this point is here because of you. That you're the last remnants of. You know, Thad Mata losing his touch a little bit are gone now. And you've got a really good player in EJ Liddell, who I just said can drag you to a tweet 16. He's good enough to do that if he gets hot in a tournament. Um, they're fine, but like I said, I I think now it's more like, all right, what are we doing here? Are we going to be – is this what we should expect every single year where you get hot in January and then you fizzle off and that's kind of it? Or should we expect more and should maybe – you know, uh, Gene Smith start looking elsewhere. So 
some interesting games coming up at Xavier on Thursday, next Monday, Seton Hall, um, and then Tuesday, November 30th versus Duke at 9.30 on ESPN. Duke in the top 10 right now. That'll be interesting. They're going to lose to Duke. Kentucky also in the top 10 in mid-December. Interesting. And then they don't play Michigan at all. They do play Michigan twice, but it's in February. And then the season ender at home on March 6th. They don't get Purdue until January 30th. Yeah. So they're not going to play some of the best Big Ten teams. They do get Wisconsin pretty early on December 11th. Do you think they can compete? You know, again, Kentucky, Duke, those kind of matchups right now, you think those aren't going to go so well? I think they're going to beat Kentucky because it's just the Ohio State way to randomly be the top 10 team in the country in the non-conference schedule and get everybody's hopes up. I think they lose to Duke just because, of, I mean, it's Coach K's last season and that team's got a different level of motivation there. But so, yeah, I think they split those two top 10 opponents. I think the best thing this team can do is, you know, have another quality non-conference schedule, which is what they're probably going to do this year, not fall off a cliff ever, just kind of, you know, maybe you drop a couple, but you don't go into a four or five game losing streak that has us all questioning the program again and then lose the first game of the Big Ten tournament. Just lose it. Just lose it and get yeah. your team an extra week of rest. Just lose that game because nobody cares if you go to the Big Ten championship game. I, I could care less about that. There's probably nothing else in in the, with this job that I care less about than if the Ohio State Buckeyes win the Big Ten tournament. I don't care. So be be constantly improve all season and then lose and then go to the NCAA tournament. I like it. I like it. And then do the thing that you've got to go do. Yes. Uh, also of note for people, if they want to write this down, Archie Miller has a podcast now. Archie Miller yes. and Sean Miller, <laughs> Fired Brothers. I don't think that's the name of the podcast, but again, it's like whenever it's like, ah, Holtman, whatever. It's like, remember Archie Miller who got fired, <laughs> who everybody in Columbus wanted as the head coach of the Buckeyes and they got Chris Holtman instead. He's got to do something, right? I mean, like it's it's sometimes the future has to be now at some point. I, I am curious. Um, you know, my I don't mean to always compare it to the fat air, but like that's what I covered. So that's my reference point. But Thad Mata in year two had a very veteran team with Terrence Stiles and Jaquel Foster and guys like that who won the Big Ten and got to the NCAA tournament, played really well. And then it was all a prelude to Conley and Odin and Daquan mm -hmm. Cook and David Laddie showing up. And, and not that next year's recruiting class is Greg Odin and Mike Conley, but that if to me, if, it, if you can show, listen, is this a perfect team? No. Is it a little bit of a jerry-rigged roster? Yeah. But we have some good players. We have a core, a core guy at the middle of it. We have some interesting guys around it. Let's max that out. We understand there's probably a ceiling on this team. Yes, a second scorer come along. But, you know, like this is probably not a national championship contender. But let's, let's see them max this out, whatever that is. Top four in the Big Ten, win a couple good games, you know, maybe win a good game in the tournament. And then next year, here comes this talent influx that they've been building up to. And next year you have Malachi, you have Michi, you have Zed, you have all these young guys and then it's go time. And then at some point, right, Steven, like that group, you add Malachi and Michi to that group, that group should maybe make a run of the final four, 
right? That's what we're talking about here. Because again, yeah. that's the actual standard. Fourth in the Big Ten, can you get to the Sweet 16? Is actually not the ceiling. That's what you should be doing most of the time. So to me, that let's, let's make that this year. Top four in the Big Ten, make the Sweet 16. And then let's see them springboard to something more. But at this point, like that would be, that would be an accomplishment in itself. So that's my, that's my, what I'm looking for. That's this season, to top, top four in the big 10, make the sweet 16, and then show me the talent influx equates to something. And let's talk about Ohio state as a final four team sometime in the next two seasons after this. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah that's basketball in, in its essence, but especially here, every year should be a building block on the, past year and yeah there's going to come a point where you got to press the reset button a little bit but this isn't duke where you're pressing that reset button every year because you're getting a new crop of five stars every season you can build a legit like thing here every other and then every four years it just resets itself the problem is right now they haven't been able to build the building blocks because you think they're going and then it stops and so now you've got to ramp all that back up can we finally see a point where all right you lost in the Sweet 16. Maybe you could have got to the Elite Eight, but you, you flamed out, and that's what it is. But now we know, even with EJ leaving, what this recruiting class is, what Malachi is, they can build on each other. And then you can build on it the next year and then build on it the next year because these guys are going to stick around for a little bit because that's the good thing about this recruiting class. It's a top 10 recruiting class that isn't necessarily filled with bona fide one-and-done stars on it. So you can develop a little bit with these guys some. So that's my, I know people think I'm hard on Chris Holtman sometimes. That's my new <laughs> standard. In year seven, I want Chris Holtman to make the final four. Is that okay? Is that enough time? He's now in year five, ten, finished tied for second in the Big Ten in year one, tied for eighth in year two, tied for fifth in year three, fifth last year. We know that they had a pretty decent team they felt decent about by the end of the year in year three when the tournament was wiped out by the pandemic but they've never gone to the sweet 16 and i'm not even making them with the new freshman the new recruiting class they don't have to do it as freshmen the recruiting class that just signed when they're sophomores so not this year not next year but the year after that year seven hang a banner final four that's my threshold all right make sure you guys are reading steven at cleveland.com slash buckeye talk reading steven about basketball. He's also writing about recruiting. He's also writing about football. He's working every minute of every day. Uh, we certainly mix in that basketball whenever we can. Of course, we focus on football. And as long as football's going on, that's going to be the focus. But then, you know, it gets fun, man. It's, it's nice to sprinkle in the basketball now with us so that you're ready to roll in January, February, March when it gets real when football's done. So I think, I think EJ Liddell as a, as a centerpiece and Malachi Branham as a young guy on the rise, those are two guys that are fun. And I, part of it is that Steven, that you want to, you know, there's a standard for Ohio state basketball to be a good team, but I also think it's more fun when they're fun while they're good, right? This is, this should not only be a bunch of grinders. It's Ohio state, right? This is not Creighton or whatever. Like I don't, this is real basketball here. <laughs> so it's like EJ Liddell, you watch EJ Liddell. He'll, he'll show you some stuff. He's got a lot of ways to score. Watch EJ Liddell. And then Malachi Brandon's a top 50 national talent who has a three-level game, as Steven said. Watch this guy develop. And, and again, he's he should be in the sweet spot, Stephen, for Ohio State where 
he's a really good young player that you can rely on in year one, but this is, he is not an out the door in year one guy. This is a two, maybe three year guy. Right. And, and I'm all in favor of that. I, I get it. Chris Holtman does not have to bring in every future top 10 NBA draft pick who's going to be here for a year. I get it. I get it. That is not, that does that not didn't even really standard. do that. Cause even with D'Angelo Russell, that wasn't the plan. He just yeah. was awesome. And was like, Oh, I can't stay. There's millions of dollars on the line. There's a lot to be made, like Evan Turner, the Evan Turner path, like three years, Evan Turner, where you play a lot as a freshman, but you're kind of learning on the fly, man. And then like year two, you're pretty good. And year three, you're the national player of the year. That's a really productive path. That's that's a too high of a bar. But if Malachi Branham is on some kind of three-year plan, where in year three, he's the leader of a team that has a lot of really good second-year guys, and he's setting himself up for a good pro future while helping like lead this team to a final four, write it down. Where's a pen? Write it down that Ohio State should go to the final four. It's going to be interesting because that will also be, right? So this is 20. So 2023 is going to have final four and super team. It'll be the greatest team in college football history and a final four basketball team. Steven, you're not going to be able to sleep. Get your sleep now because it's going to be all of 2023. Ohio State's going to be lit going to be i mean you already did it you've experienced covering the national championship game twice in four months that's that's the type of life i want to live my second year covering this team the football team went undefeated was number one all year a guy from cleveland won the heisman they got the biggest recruit in the nation in basketball who was a little bit hurt at the beginning of the year then came in and then they went to the national championship game in basketball as well i guess the same team they had played in football so yes that was crazy. And that's my standard. That's my standard. That's why I, if Ohio <laughs> State doesn't make the national championship game in both sports every year, I rip them mercilessly. Okay. That's our basketball podcast for now. We'll check in, right? If there's something that's really jacked up, we'll do a little something on the Duke game before that. But it's going to be mostly football on this feed. You guys know that until football season is over. Make sure you are back for the Wednesday pod. Where we'll be talking about everything that Ryan Day and some assistance and players set on Tuesday. Um, big Thursday pod on the Friday game preview of Ohio State and Michigan State. For Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>